Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar here with Lag Radio. We are your weekly source for video game appreciation, chiptune idolatry, weekly giveaways, and so much more. This evening is episode 10, and we're covering kind of a game, but we're also kind of switching it up this evening. Uh, So the game for this week, as I announced last week, was Homeworld. It was released in 1999 by Relic Studios and Sierra Entertainment. And in the process of playing the game, I started to realize really just how bad I am at real-time strategy games. And so I wasn't able to complete the game, so I don't have as much to discuss on it as much as I normally would, uh, as I do in previous episodes, usually with some special guests. So this evening, instead, the main focus is going to be on the annual release of arguably the best chiptune compilation known to man, woman, and child. It is Chiptunes Equals Win, and I've been supporting these folks for a long time since, uh, well, in my previous show, uh, I've been supporting them even. So I'm very, very happy to kind of put the spotlight on them for this new release and play a whole bunch of stuff, which I wouldn't have gotten the chance to in my previous show. Uh, of course, that was post-rock-centric and all that, so not not quite as chiptune So this time, very, very happy to get that chance. So we're going to get to that. We're going to still talk a little bit about Homeworld, so uh, stick around for the first portion of the program. We'll discuss that. Uh, before we get into that, though, let's listen to at least a couple of tracks off of the uh, soundtracks to kind of set the stage a bit. So we're going to listen to the first song. It's going to be Bentusi Under Fire, and then we're going to listen to The Exile's Journey. So after that, we will discuss the game and then get into the chipping stuff. If you want to go and check out our socials, we have a whole host of them. Facebook.com slash lagliferadio is one of them. You can find me at Twitter at lagliferadio. Uh, my Instagram is at DJ double underscore marmar. The Twitch account that I have now set up and I will be streaming in the following week is going to be twitch.tv slash DJ single underscore marmar. I did get, I did get that one. So I did get uh, the... OG DJ, DJ Marmar for Twitch. And then you can finally check out the playlist page. It is lagliferadio.kuci.org. Still working on catching up to it. Right now I'm on episode, I think, six or seven. So I'm a couple weeks behind, but I'm plugging through. You can find the archive of all of our discussions for different episodes there. Uh, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time is up there. Spec Ops The Line is up there. And Super Metroid is up there. Yeah, go and check it out. Lagliferadio.kuci.org. All right, without further ado, let's play a couple of tracks off of Homeworld from the Remastered Collection OST, and then we will discuss the game. And again, later on is the Chiptunes Equals Win giveaway, and a whole bevy of songs, really, really, really special stuff coming from them. Again, thank you so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss, and I am Lag Radio. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Midboss here with Lag Radio. Just got done listening to the first three songs of the evening, setting the stage for our homeworld discussion. First song that we listened to was Bentusi Under Fire. After that one was The Exile's Journey. There was Gravitic Anomaly. And then a little bit of The Rebellion Begins. All of those were by Paul Rusquet, again, off of the Homeworld remastered original soundtrack. All right, so we're discussing Homeworld tonight. It was originally released in 1999. It was released by Relic Relic Studios, developed by Relic Studios, and published by Sierra Entertainment. It's for the Microsoft Windows platform. Just to give you an idea of when, what was going on in the PC world at this time, the minimum required specs for this game was Windows 95, and the recommended specs was Windows 98. So it's been a 
couple of minutes since this one came out. It was later remastered in 2015 by Gearbox Software, which you may know as the creators of the Borderlands series. And really, it gave it this splendid, beautiful HD graphics overhaul, uh, and also, of course, some UI changes and some balance things and whatnot. Uh, it was very well received on its release, especially critically. It uh, spawned numerous sequels, spin-offs, etc. from the game's success, all the way until actually now. So in 2016, there was a prequel that was made called The Deserts of Karak. Uh, that was, yeah, also done, I think, by a different company. Not originally, not from Relic Studios. I think Relic did just the first one, and then the sequel that was later, later made. But the spin-offs, I think, are from different studios. At the time when it came out, it was really the first of its kind in that it had this battlefield that was a fully 3D battlefield, uh, in a real-time strategies title at least. It was just this crazy thing, and it was very much highly regarded for that reason. You would be able to move your ships not just along the y-axis, but also there's depth, right? There's height and depth that you get to move your ships at. And uh, yeah, it was kind of just a genre, big genre change-up for what people were used to at the time. Of course, given that it's a real-time strategy game, it was focused on resource gathering, you know, building up your fleet of ships. You got to balance your defense as well as your how aggressive you are. You got to send out scouts. You got to send out probes. You got to try and fight off interfering probes or scouts from the other teams and such. Interestingly, there was no real design philosophy behind it, and that's a quote, by the way. The, he's the one of the uh, producers, I believe, said there's no real design philosophy behind this game the fact that it's an rts was just a fluke and i thought that was so interesting they wanted basically they wanted to just make a game that was about these big epic space fights and it just happened to be rts that worked the best for what they wanted to do so uh yeah it's it's funny how i really like how people can have this vision even of a game something that costs bundles of money and took two years to develop and they go into it not even knowing what sort of game that they want to make it's just this is my idea let's see how it goes uh, there is a development title for it, also was very interesting to me, it was called Spaghetti Ball when in development, and that was because the tangled ball of movement when you'd have like your fleets squaring off in battle against other ones, and you could see the trails of the different uh, ships, you know, swaying around each other, swinging around each other, creating this big old tangled mess. So yeah, that's why it was called Spaghetti Ball. There was some multiplayer in the game, uh, but really it was the single player that was really highly regarded for its story, something kind of at the time in 1999, was something that could give Star Wars a run for its money, or at least a lot of what fans thought, and some critics too. So, um, yeah, just kind of pushing the the boundary of what a game is capable of story-wise, which is pretty neat. There's all sorts of different ships and things. There's harvesters that are going to get your resources. You've got frigates and corvettes. Arguably the best one, the salvage corvette. I really, really liked playing with that one because what it allows you to do, it's pretty... It's not too fast. It's a pretty slow-moving ship, but it allows you to just kind of, like, zoom in, attach onto an enemy ship, and it just slowly, like, pushes or pulls, I guess, that enemy ship into your, your mothership, and then you take it over. So it's like this parasitic, like, just, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's very, very good, the salvage corvette. Uh, there's also, of course, destroyers and cruisers and all the sorts of things you would expect from a roster of spaceships. Uh, but well, really the point is is that you try and complete your mission objectives, and this is something that totally threw me for a spin when I first started playing. I had no idea about this. So when you complete your mission objectives, you're given the option at that point to move on to the next level via, like, hyperwarp or something, and it just shows this 
uh, portion of your ship slowly kind of like disappear into this wall of digitization. And what I loved so, so much in some ways is that you can stay on the map before hyperwarping out, gather more resources. And I didn't know this. It's very, very important. And the reason why is because your resources in the ships that you have are persistent through levels. So unlike a Warcraft or a Starcraft where every level or an Advanced Wars or any sort of RTS really, where you've got the little missions and then once you're done, it gives you a new fresh set, new base, new map and everything. Um, this one, you keep all of the ships that you make and any of that are destroyed, they're gone for good. So if you don't harvest all the resources on a map, you might be gimping yourself later on. So yeah, if you screw up early game, really, this is, I don't know. I think it's a tricky design choice to try and defend it. And what I thought of kind of is how Fire Emblem games do that a little bit uh, with the fact that you have characters in in this strategy RPG kind of title where if they're killed, they're gone for good, or at least in the original Fire Emblem games. They did make that an option later on to turn that off. But in the original ones, they're dead, they're donezo. But I really like it in Fire Emblem in some ways because it it kind of works with the emotional importance of certain characters. You know, you develop feelings for certain ones. They've got personalities, they've got character designs. And when it comes to uh, Homeworld, it's like, all right, you got your fleet, mostly destroyed, but you got through a really tough mission. There's no resources left on the map for you to harvest. Really, you just kind of feel bad. And so, I don't know, it's a tricky it's a tricky design choice, but it is what it is. You do get to research for some of the future ships that you can make, which is pretty important, of course, and you do this on the mothership, which acts as your base. But what's also really cool about the mothership as your base is that it is movable. So instead of a, just a static sort of home base and you leave yourself kind of vulnerable if you're found out where you are, you can slowly move your uh, mothership to a different area. Now, a big part of the game also is the sensor map, the sensor manager, I think it's called. And it's how you zoom in and out to see the entire field of space around you. And I do, I get its importance because you've got these massive scale battles. You kind of have to have this like hawk's eye view of the whole the whole playing field, see the whole for fog of war thing going on. But I can't say that it's my favorite part of the playthrough that I did. It really takes you out of the action to have to constantly zoom in and out of this this giant map down to the action where there's battles going on. It just feels clunky. Maybe this is just a product of its time, perhaps. I didn't really find too much disdain from the community about it when looking online reviews and, and whatnot, but uh, personally, that was one of my least favorite parts. It just kind of, it's, I don't know, not great. And navigating in the 3D space is actually really challenging. Uh, honestly, I think that you can kind of get by without utilizing the x-axis where you're uh, you know moving up and down at the same time as moving forward but probably you wouldn't be like decent in a multiplayer game at all if you didn't utilize the x-axis I'm sure it's very important in some strategies surprising enemies and such so uh, yeah it's pretty challenging it's not not for the casual RTS player like myself definitely not but the story is pretty sweet and again, I didn't get to play through the entire game because of how difficult it was for me. But I will say that I did look up some of the story stuff. I don't want to spoil it for you. Maybe you finished it in the past week. Maybe you didn't. But I wanted to kind of keep it as a spoiler for uh, everyone who didn't get to go through it. So maybe you had the same difficulties I did. 
But either way, I think it's a worth a playthrough at least once to experience because it does it does do some things that are pretty neat for for a game, uh, especially from 1999. Now the soundtrack, as you probably were just able to tell from the tracks we played, is solid. It is way more than just your generic space opera sort of feeling. It's got this ambiance. It's got this kind of atmospheric. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like Alien, the Alien movies. It just it it feels very spacey but not in a cheesy cliche sort of way so i would highly recommend even if you didn't get to play through the game you're not interested in the game it's too difficult for you like it was for me check out the soundtrack to one and two homeworld remaster one and two you're gonna like it a lot overall i would say this is a game that i really would like to play and enjoy but some of those design choices just made it a struggle for me to get through and I think that maybe it's because I was playing the original 99 release, 1999 release. Maybe the remastered version would be more enjoyable, given you've kind of got the ability to command your fleet better from what I was looking up online, just some of the, the tactics and selection and such. But as it stands, the 1999 release, I could not power through it, unfortunately. It definitely made me want to try other titles, though, in the genre. So, for example, Sins of a Solar Empire, Rebellion, very well-known one in the space RTS genre. It looks totally different, plays totally different, and, uh, yeah, got me interested in that. So that's my, my take on Homeworld, the original from 1999. Hopefully you enjoyed the music that we listened to. Uh, I certainly did myself, and I would recommend checking it out. Don't forget, if you haven't listened to any of our other previous episodes, you can check us out, lagliferadio.kuci.org. I've got uh, most of the episodes up right now. I'm still working on, on more of the archives, so look forward to that. All right. I think we're going to get into that chiptunes equals win now. So hopefully you're as hyped as I am. I'm wearing my chiptunes win shirt right now. If you want to go and check out a picture of it, I posted it on the, I want to say it was on the Instagram. So check out my Instagram at DJ double underscore Marmar. And of course, also the Facebook page and the Twitter is Lag Life Radio. Let's listen to the first song off of the album because I felt like it's a very good opening to everything. It's by Protodome. It's called Greatest Hat. And the little info thing off of their uh, band camp about this particular song says that it was a short piece about a really good hat. Very simple, very effective. Hope you enjoy it. If you want to call in, 949-824-5824 is the number, 949-UCI-KUCI. That is the number you're going to want to call later on for the Chiptunes Equals Win giveaway that we're going to be doing. Uh, we will be giving away a bundle of items from their merch store, totaling up to 15 bucks. So you pick what you want. I have it shipped straight to your doorstep. You can check out their merch page at chiptuneswin.bandcamp.com slash merch. And that is going to do it for me. I hope you enjoy the music. Thank you so, so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss, and this is Lag Radio. <laughs> 